Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 11. My next guest is Elizabeth Kipp. Elizabeth has healed from 40 years of chronic pain, including anxiety, panic attacks, and 32 years of addiction to prescribed opiate and benzodiazepine medication. She is a stress management and chronic pain specialist, trauma-trained, and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach, ancestral clearing practitioner, yoga and meditation teacher, and an international best-selling author of The Way Through Chronic Pain, Tools to Reclaim Your Healing Power. Let's listen to her inspirational journey. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mili. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. So, you know, your story is incredible with 40 years of chronic pain and 32 years addicted to prescription medications, specifically opiates and benzodiazepine. Before we start, I, I think it's going to be important to understand what chronic pain is. I think a lot of us have this idea what it might be, but I think before we even get started, um, from your experience, what what actually is chronic pain? I love the question. It's so important. It's so it's so misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, chronic pain is any pain that's felt fifteen days out of thirty for three months or more. Any pain, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, any pain that's felt 15 days out of 30 for three months or more. And you had it for 40 years. All these different kinds of pain, they all send the same signal up into the brain. It hurts. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the brain can't tell the difference between a broken bone and a broken heart. So grief, for instance, could be considered chronic pain. Depression is also a chronic pain experience if they're experienced 15 days out of 30 for three months or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that people understand the depth of, of uh, the chronic pain experience or really kind of understand it's, it can be, it can be pretty all encompassing. And, um, and I do, I do, uh, I, I actually, some of the podcasts that I, that I appear on are, gr- are around grief, around mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. because it's it's a chronic pain experience yeah I don't think a lot of people would consider the emotional pain as chronic pain so I think that's really important mm-hmm. to acknowledge mm-hmm. it certainly is yeah so what kind of chronic pain did you experience and how did that link with addiction well I had I, I had I had emotional um, chronic pain but I didn't realize it mm-hmm. <laughs> I I um I really started in a family that was um there were a lot of challenges and uh and just in terms of um like I my mom my mom went into a deep depression as soon as I was born and so I was separated from her for 9 months and that right there um is a is a, is a, is, a, is, is trauma right mm-hmm. there we didn't really understand it as uh, that uh, back then, but um, but we understand that now. Um, I had a physical, uh, um, physically, I had a um, closed pyloric valve, which is the the little valve that opens when food when you swallow and food to, so that food goes into the stomach. It kind of opens and closes depending on you know if there's food coming in, it opens. If it's not, it closes. Um, 
mine was was uh, closed at birth and so that was oh that God. was a physical that wow. was a physical challenge and mm-hmm. really they didn't have uh neonatal intensive care units back then and mm-hmm. they did surgery things like that wow. and i really felt that my um pediatrician was, was divinely guided she put my whole crib on a 45 degree angle and gravity opened that valve wow but it took two weeks. So I was two weeks and there was no nursing and there was, you know, there was, you know, I, I'm assuming they put, kept me together with IV. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, so a lot of, you know, physical and emotional stuff in the beginning. Um, I had a, my mother was bipolar and an alcoholic and um, very um, unstable. Uh, from day, you know, during the day, she'd be fine, and then she wouldn't be, and and it was just this a lot of instability. But that was kind of normal for me, <laughs> because it happened every day, and yeah. we didn't talk about it, we didn't, we just dealt with it. So I didn't even realize that was emotional pain, but it translated journal kind of journal over into um, irritable bowel. I had a I had this irritable bowel in my gut all the time, which the doctors really didn't know what to do about. So I stopped talking about it. Um, and then when I was 14, I had an accident, um, and I, I fell off a horse and, um, broke a fifth lumbar, my fifth lumbar on my spine, mm-hmm. which I actually got up and walked away from that accident. Now that's significant because I broke a bone, <laughs> broke the fifth lumbar on my spine and I got up and walked away and we never even had an x-ray. So I, I, I got home that night and I didn't know I'd hurt myself enough to say to my dad, hey, like, take me to the emergency room. I had no idea because I had this history mm-hmm. of this being under stress and I kind of got used to that. So right. you, high tolerance. You, you had to hit me hard for me to notice. And I still have that trait today. It's th- this part of my recovery is like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, where's the line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's the line, right? Balance. Wow. So this is, and it's not just me, this is a phenomenon that I see in chronic pain patients as as a kind of as a whole. Mm -hmm. We don't know where that line is because we're, we're just used to kind of being in this stress zone. And so we, we have difficulty distinguishing. Anyway, so um, uh, also I was brought up with the, with the um, saying no pain, no gain. So that was like, we just expected pain. So I, I just, <laughs> it's just like you do athletic stuff. You, it hurts and that's just part of life. Right. So I just didn't anyway, strange relationship with pain. Uh, 14 years after I had that break, um, my back became unstable and I, and uh, the doctors, um, we finally got an x-ray and the doctor said, Oh, you know, you need surgery here. Cause we were worried that that, that bone had split in two. And the, and the front part of the bone was slipped forward into my pelvis and pulling the leg nerves with it. Oh, my goodness. And it was causing some some pain. And they said, well, the only way we can we can manage that is, to, is to, for surgery. And I ended up having four surgeries altogether in the 80s, the 1980s. And each time they gave me more opiates and benzos. Mm-hmm, for the pain. And... Um, the pain just got worse. Um, and we finally did stabilize the spine, which was 
amazing. Like that was that was that was only one hospital on the on the on the planet at the time that had, that knew how to do that surgery. Wow. That was Toronto General Hospital, which I happened to be up in Canada at the time and was able to. It was just amazing. <laughs> the the support really that I felt mm-hmm. the universe was supporting me. I mean, I had this difficult life, but I had so much support. The universe was always there, supporting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all these different ways is pretty interesting. So a lot of pain, doctors didn't understand um, chronic pain, really the nature of chronic pain at the time. They're really not trained in that, Western doctors. And Which I find amazing. I'm, I'm like, why wouldn't they be? Well, like, I can't answer that particular question, <laughs> sure. but, I, but I can say that um, there are more doctors be, being able to understand it now because there's been more research sure. and because of the opiate crisis there's a lot more um focus yeah push to there's a lot more focus on that but mm-hmm. but for for me for mm-hmm. all those years the um what they said to me was you will be in pain for the rest of your life you will be in a wheelchair when you're 40 learn to live with it and i have the science background mm-hmm. and I understood I understood the limits of I really understood about the unfortunately because of my training I understood about the limits of science and I and I understood that they were telling me well you can't heal from this they were telling me more about the limitation of the model they were working with than they were about the body's ability to heal wow so I realized that Oh, they're using they're they're in the scientific method, which has this focused framework that it it works in, mm-hmm. and it can't it can't it can't access anything. It can't observe, measure, or describe. But where do we heal? Where do we live? And where do we heal? We live in the all that is, not just in the part that science can observe, measure, or describe. Interesting. Uh-huh. So I learned. I realized I was going to have to look at all of that to the unseen, to the unknown, is going to have to look outside of the scientific method as well as work within it well, for my healing. I mean, this is phenomenal because a lot of people wouldn't think that. If they hear that, that's a devastating news. That you're going to be, you're going to just be in pain for the rest of your life and also in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. what that does to the psyche oh. and what does that do to just your emotional well-being, that oh. in itself is painful right yeah i was devastated i I cried for two weeks i I cried for two weeks when i heard that the first time i was just like i try longer this can't be my my life and i but i i i'm saying as i said before i really felt that 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 grace really held me the whole time and i i was really um i was i was really divinely held and I cried for two weeks, but at the end of I kept looking. I knew there was an answer. I knew there was an answer. I just took me a minute to find it, you know, and um, and I came up with that. Oh, they're they're limited, you know. They're they're and he's given a pronouncement, which isn't even isn't even enough. It, you can't do that. It's not. It's mm-hmm. it's probable that he, he didn't even say that. He said you will, right? He didn't say it's probable that when science is all about probabilities, it's not about facts. That's not the way it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he was he was inaccurate, and he you know the perspective. So so I, well, the other thing I learned really about that whole space was when I sit in front of a healer, I don't care who they are, what their credentials are. Mm-hmm. 
I always ask the question, what lens are they looking through? What model are they working, looking, are they working with? And what are its, you know, what can it, what are its benefits and what are its limitations? I always ask that, which is part of my basic research science e training. Mm -hmm. So I knew to do that. But one of the reasons why I like coming on to podcasts and stuff is to help others kind of understand that concept. Cause you know, if you, it, it, I, I had to have a bunch of training to be able to put that together. And not everybody has that. Right. And, and I think to your point, Elizabeth, it really is a matter of how you can discern these things from a medical model and then another model. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. You said you did a lot of research and just cu being curious and wanting to know a different way because you found this one model that you mentioned probably rigid or inflexible. Incomplete. Incomplete. I okay. wouldn't call it rigid or inflexible. I would call it incomplete. Incomplete. Yeah. And so most people don't ask, ask that question, is it incomplete, and then move forward. What was it about you that decided to like push through? Is it because your science background, because you've tolerated the pain <laughs> so yeah, much? I, I had a science background, and, I, and I, yeah. knew that, I knew that this guy had made an error. And I, and I also knew, because I've studied evolutionary biology, and I, sure. I, I just, I've, I've studied, um, I've studied, you know, and I know scientific paradigms shift you know, we used to believe the world was flat. Right. We didn't understand what plate tectonics were, right? And then just like, those are just two little things, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. scientific paradigm shift. He was operating in scientific paradigm, and I understood that. And I understood that that was a limitation. And I understood I was going to have to look outside of the paradigm in order to find the healing. And I was convinced that I could, that I could heal. I just, that was another thing. Now, wow. that's interesting to me mm -hmm. that I had this... I had this dogged, um, I'm, I know that I can heal this thing. So I, I came in to this world, right, you know, challenged. Sure. But I didn't have that, you know, failure to thrive thing. I had that stick with it. I had, I came in with this amazing resilience and mm -hmm. persistence and 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 also I came in with gratitude. So it didn't really matter how things how hairy things got with my mom. Mm -hmm. I always when things got really bad, my my mind went to, oh, I have a roof over my head, I have food in my belly, I got clothes, I got a warm, dry bed at night. Right. I I, I went to those those were my the way those are the ways that I balanced my life. And so I use these tools, mm -hmm. persistence, gratitude looking for another answer right um yeah not not you know really following my kind of following my heart and my inner knowing um yeah. those are the tools i use to to move through all this yeah and not everyone has perhaps that insight or that fortitude or just kind of that knowingness that you mm -hmm. speak of um so because you had this fortitude and this ability to kind of push through, tell me a little bit what your relationship is with trauma, chronic pain, and addiction now. Well, now I I would I would first say that we don't get like a dopamine hit from chronic pain. Like uh, no, it's or <laughs> not the same or right. any of that. We don't get that, but that chronic pain experience does um 
uh, it, it changes the way the brain processes sure. information mm-hmm. and um, it causes confusion and brain fog and a very pronounced negative spin in the mind. So we go from kind of being slightly negative balance comes like the first thing we see in the world when we're balanced. It's, if we see something new, our first answer is no. It mm-hmm. keeps us safe. We just kind of do that, mm-hmm. right? So we have a little negative bias, even a balanced person. But in chronic pain, the stress response gets dis- dysregulated and the we're, we get this emotional, the emotional part of the brain is affected and we get, you know, you're wrong, I'm wrong, what's wrong with you, what's wrong with me, you know, all this negative stuff. And mm-hmm. and um, if I hadn't had such a strong gift of gratitude for my ancestors, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have survived that. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, why did I bring that up relative to addiction? Because that thought pattern the, actually creates chemicals that are addictive, like Anger, we, we have people that like go to anger management now. Well, what's that? Anger is a, creates chemicals in the body that are that are actually addictive. They're not, it's not dopamine, but it's, you know, they have their own, they have their own, um, and, and chronic pain does too. It creates this kind of a, 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 a chemi- biochemistry that we get, we get um, used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, uh, that's just kind of understood there. Um, it's compounded when you take opiates, right? You and think. yeah, right. It's it's just it's compounded. And uh, the last fifteen years that I was that I was uh, of those thirty two years, I was on um, fentanyl was the opiate I was on. Wow! So it was uh, it was it was pretty astonishing. Um, that I, you know, we we I got on fentanyl as soon as they came out on the market. They they put me right on that. So um, the um, the the relationship between trauma, chronic pain, and addiction is first we have unresolved trauma in the system, mm-hmm. and that causes this something that doesn't feel good for 15 days out of 30 for three months or more that becomes chronic. And then we've got this pain we're dealing with and we want to, we want to, we, we don't feel good and we want to feel better. And so we get, we, we look in and we find something for relief. In the external world. Mm-hmm. We look outside of ourselves to find the answer. That's just the way we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where you get into addiction. And, and I, and I, I go, you know, I, I um, go into the recovery rooms and I pretty much see people that are in recovery, but they're suffering from chronic pain. Absolutely. I I have never met an addict that I, and I met thousands of them. Mm -hmm. I've never met an addict that wasn't a chronic pain patient first. And that wasn't a chronic pain patient that was, didn't have unresolved trauma in the system. Mm -hmm. It's this like domino thing. Right. Right. So it's really important to understand that. So it's not like why the, it's like go, go, Dr. Gabor Mate says it's mm-hmm. not why the addiction, it's why the pain. Mm-hmm. And where is that pain from? You know, th- yeah. those are strong correlations. And again, remember chronic pain is not just physical, it's that emotional piece as well. 
Oh yeah, that and when I when I got into uh, finally got into a pain management program, I finally I finally I walked into this pain management program of Dr. Peter Prescott, who wrote a book uh, called Conquer Chronic Pain mm-hmm. and Innovative Mind Body Approach. He passed away a few years ago, but he left this amazing book, and I I went into his treatment. He had a in his pain management program. He detoxed me off all of that medication. Wow. Um, and uh, the program's not there anymore, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but, but it's doable, right? Um, he dox- detoxed me off all that medication, and I walked into that treatment program with over 40 years of chronic pain, and I walked out 52 days later with no pain. I know. I it's don't amazing. even know what to say about that. It's phenomenal. Like he, and he That's never unreal. <laughs> yeah. He never even promised me that he would take my pain away. He just said, I'll help you reset your stress response. And I was having panic attacks left, right, and center. And I was like, you got me. I, he said, I could detox you off that medicine, which I was like, so done with the medicine at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and I can reset your stress response. And I'm like, I'm coming in. When's, when's a bed ready? Right, right. Ready to go, you know? So, and and wow. I, I was surprised my pain disappeared. That was quite phenomenal. Um, but here's the thing. It's not like I'm so special. He had a 94% success rate. Right? Yeah. And we were, and they were all patients, they, were, they weren't all patients that had like 40 years, but they mm-hmm. had like 10 years and 20 years. But and, a long time. Long time. They've right. been, you know, then other doctors, they call us, they called us hickory nut cases, cases other, uh, cases other doctors couldn't crack. Wow. There's a whole room full of us. I mean, he, he had, he had hundreds of, he took thousands of patients through, through, um, detox off of off of opiates and and whatever other combination a lot of us were on a lot of us were on opiates and benzos it's a, it's quite a it's it was a, a a combination that was that was prescribed a lot and i work with people that are trying to get off of benzodiazepines now oh it's one of the hardest things that was that that getting off of uh, the opiate was like okay i got it but mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that was the thing but it wasn't it wasn't like the benzo the benzo was like that was a whole other animal and yeah. so I had to, I had to, that took, a, that took years to, to deal with that, the fallout. And emotionally, how, how did you detox from that? Mm. Um, actually, I did a lot of ancestral clearing, mm-hmm. which we haven't talked about. <laughs> I did a lot of ancestral clearing, which helped deal with the burden of the past. That wasn't just, wasn't just my past, but the past and the lineage stuff I picked up from my parents, grandparents uh, on down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I didn't even realize that I was carrying. Like, so that's, I, I'm an ancestral clearing practitioner now is right. part of what I do because it's, it was such a big piece of my recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I went into, I went into therapy. I've, I've, I've been in trauma therapy, all different kinds of, of um, uh, adversity kind of therapy um, to just, um, I'm, I'm currently in this thing called, um, it's like EMDR, but it's kind mm-hmm. of an advanced version mm-hmm. of it, and and I and it's also brain spotting. So we're doing some mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. Um, it's very interesting because I don't have to actually. I can kind of go back into kind of a memory on a like a superficial level, mm-hmm. and we just do the process and 
the 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 body and the brain take care of it. I don't have to get into the ah, you right, know, part. Right. The it's angsty part, cool. pain, yeah. peace. Yeah. And that's wow. ancestral clearing kind of works at that level too. It's just a different process. So mm-hmm. so it's 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 I lo- I love these things. So it's like, and also yoga is very helpful. Um yoga's like amazing. Yoga's another another thing. Yoga's a thing you can like you can do it. You don't you just keep doing the process and the mind gets cleaned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, the body, the, the trauma in the body, whoop, it releases. And I, I don't have to, you know, it's not like I have to get into some long story. I just have to do the process. So, wow. I mean, it's such a, an interesting journey and a multitude of trying different things and being in gratitude. Um, we got to speak before this podcast and a lot of listeners, as you know, experience chronic pain, um, and some started their addiction because of such chronic pain, like you mentioned. You speak previously when I got the privilege to speak to you about need for an army. Can you oh. speak about that? Yes. Wow, we do need an army. Um, and I, I'll just I'll just say straight up here that it an army of people supported me through my journey and helped me in recovery and continue to, you know, I've got so many people around me that, that, um, that have supported me, um, the, not the least of which are my family, of course, but I, I just, um, mm. just kind of, kind of like, you know, a bow to every chronic pain patient that I know has this benefit of, of, people around them that are trying to support. Now, why I say we need an army, we need an army is because um, before COVID, before, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the numbers are now, other than I'm pretty sure they're higher. Before COVID, the National Institutes of Health estimated 25% of North America was in chronic pain across all socioeconomic measures, including children. 25%. Children in pain across, you know, doesn't matter how much money their parents make right. or that it's all. So that was astonishing to me. And the World Health Organization pre-COVID estimated a fifth of the world. So we've got uh, this like silently, no, it's, it's not so silent. It's like in energetically, it's in the field, mm-hmm. but it's not being recognized as a thing. And we need an army of people, you know, to help with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and from a medical side, you had to find more practitioners that would be willing and open to do something very different from that other paradigm that you came from, that you experienced. And, and that, ha- I mean, that means a lot of self-advocacy. Oh, yeah. Right? I, and I, because I also had, well, I had a husband who was also a scientist, mm-hmm. and he was also a medic in Vietnam. So he, you know, he, he understood, um, he understood a lot about the medical world that, that I, from a perspective that I didn't see. So mm-hmm. he was very helpful um, in, in kind of helping me kind of, my perspective, helping me see kind of what's happening. Um, and then we both were scientists that so we would, we, we would mm-hmm. have these conversations and we'd go look up this and look up that. And mm-hmm. we had each other um, to, to help one another. And I found, for instance, like acupuncture was hugely helpful for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, and, and Western doctors are, you know, 
I have my, my general, uh, my, my GP, um, my primary physician, they got up an acupuncturist. They, they have a person in their practice that does mm-hmm. acupuncture mm-hmm. and which was fairly recent, but it's like, yeah, they, they recognize that. So acupuncture was, was huge for me. Yoga was really big for me. Meditation was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I swear my meditation practice since I've been med- meditating since like 1975, 76. And so now when you're on medication, meditation is not as powerful. However, it's still a very useful tool. Sure, sure. And, and I swear my meditation practice was one of the really important things that kept me sane through that whole experience. Because okay. I, yeah. I just keep coming back to this moment, coming back, you know, releasing judgment, that kind of thing. So it was, it was very helpful. Um, and so people listening who experience this, who, who, may not have it as long, perhaps, but have chronic pain, um, who feel helpless or hopeless. And like, like when you got that diagnosis, you're going to be in a wheelchair and pain in pain for life. That doesn't really set you up for success. (laughs) Right. And so, but when people hear this, you know, and, and you, you know, were able to kind of discern and, and have this gratitude and persistence of like, what else is there? Because I know I am beyond just this incomplete paradigm. What kind of things would you tell them to help maybe change their or shift so they can do the smallest change? Well, first of all, I'd learn how to use the breath. And I, I teach that. I, w- I would learn how to, the first thing I would teach anybody who's in chronic pain is just put your nostril, your, your finger over your right nostril and breathe mm-hmm. in the left long and deep mm-hmm. for about three minutes and see if that calms you down. For It's very good for anxiety and just tension. The nervous system is so dysregulated and chronic pain right. that it's just, it's on it's on this uh, constant, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. So we need to actually do uh, um, modalities that... Um, help heal the changes in the brain, but also tell the nervous system, oh, I'm, I can relax now. I'm, I'm, I'm safe after all. So we have to address the trauma part of it. It's mm-hmm. just super important. So oh, you need to have somebody that, that understands that. So the breath is, is, is really important. Um, and then um, the other thing that I, that I would say is this. I give 20% of the responsibility for my healing to the entire healthcare community. I don't care what kind of the practitioner, all the practitioners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other 80% is between me and God or higher power source, whatever you call it, intelligence of the universe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the healing, the healing power in the body because doctors can set a bone, but they can't tell the body how to heal. Right? They can stitch up a wound. They can't tell the body how to heal that wound. They can give us orders, right? Sure. And acupuncturist can support the body in that in that process. But and they can give us orders, oh, go home and do this thing or eat these foods or rest and sure. this physical therapist, do this exercise. We can do all that and to support the body, but we can't tell the body how to heal. And until we understand that the healing power truly lives within us mm-hmm. and we're looking here inside instead of out there for our healing, 
uh, it's really important that we understand that. It makes all the difference. To choose that. Yeah. To know Where's that's a choice. I'm, I'm responsible. I'm 80% responsible for at least 80% responsible for, you know, making sure that I'm doing everything that I can to support the body and that the rest of the medical world gives me the, gives me the direction that I have to take the action. And in, in the chronic pain space, what I experienced, and I had my own issues with this. I had my own moments where I was like, I'm so done with this. Right? You know? Why wouldn't um, you? So yeah. we, we, uh, we, we get to a point where like, um, we're just, we're just looking out where we just, I don't have the energy. I don't, right. I, I, I lose the, I lose my own momentum. So it's, it's very important that you're kind of around people that can support you. Um, again, remember the negative mind, That's you right. get this negative mind. I can't do it. Hopelessness, all that, that heaviness, mm-hmm. right? It's really important that you're around people that understand chronic pain can help you, uh, you know, with the trauma part, help you uh, heal the changes in the brain. It's it's not this this impossible thing. You have to understand. You have to believe more in the power of the body to heal than in the disease that you're experiencing. Disease, indeed, yeah. for sure. Um, any other things that you would add? I mean, there's so much to talk about here in a short <laughs> amount of time. Um, Tell me a little bit more about going beyond that blame. Because when you tell me that you started out in the world really hard, right? You couldn't even swallow, basically. And then you broke your back and you walked away from it, away from it in a minute. But there's so, and trauma and all of this. And it could, it's so easy to just like give up, like you mentioned before. And there are so many folks who want to right now with with chronic pain and all of this and and the combination of addiction what kind of things do you tell your patients or your clients when they come to you feeling that way well i i tell them don't believe the lies that chronic pain tells you mm-hmm. um i i have wrote an article called the predicaments of chronic pain there's like I don't know, 10 or 12 different P words that, that pain tries to tell you that that's not true. It's like, it's progressive, it's permanent, it's, you know, it's it's uh, persistent. It's like there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different P words and they're all lies. The 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 thing about chronic pain is it it tries to steal your attention away from everything but it. Right, it's all encompassing. Or wants to be. Yes. Uh-huh. So you have to understand when we understand the nature of, oh, it's trying to steal my attention again. <laughs> I'm going to pull it back. So a lot of the, the, the work that we do in the healing space around mm-hmm. chronic pain is rewiring the nervous system. Sure. But it's doable. It's not like it's not doable. It's not like, no, I'm not going to be this way for the rest of my life. I just need to do some work. I need to do the right kind of work to, to, heal the changes that chronic pain brings in the brain that's why we you know we have this negative thing we got this brain fog because the 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 chronic pain itself creates changes in the brain we just need to bring in modalities that heal those changes meditation yoga trauma therapy uh 
nervous system regulation, all these things are the things that help heal that. Absolutely, and some of the ancestral work that you oh yes, do as well. yes that helps rewire it too. Oh my God, yeah. Because there's so much generational kind of things that get passed down that are unseen. That's right, and That's not exactly acknowledged. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Oh my God, I remember being like four years old in my mm-hmm. in my family's living room and looking around and going, "What is this dark shadow thing in this family?" Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't understand that it was, you know, they went off to fight World War Two with they and they 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 won, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but they came back with the shadow. They went to fight. Mm-hmm. And right. And I never understood that until I got older. Right. They came back with so much trauma and it was and I took that on. I, I felt it in my I felt it in my parents. I just and I just it was kind of natural. What do I have to do to help my parents not feel so horrible? Oh, well, I'll just take it on. I didn't know I was doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. It was something that I, I didn't know until later when I got into the ancestor clearing practice. It was like, oh, wow, look at that. Wow, I'm carrying this thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I didn't, I couldn't put words on it before because nobody talked about it. Right. 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 Well, this has been extraordinary and nobody can see you, but you're lovely and you're smiling considering all this stuff that you've done um, or experienced. It's not what's wrong with us. It's what happened to us in many ways. And what are we going to do about it? And and that's it, right. What do you want to do about it? That's right. What are we going to do with it? You can do nothing and die, or you could do something and figure out how you can thrive. Because your, your situation is extreme, and I know that you've been working with a lot of chronic patients. I, I'm wondering, in your own experience, is 40 years pretty normal in no. your work? No. <laughs> I'm like, no. what the uh, hell? But 10 is pretty. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I would say that that's, that's not unusual, and which is right. very sad to me. But, I but mean, uh, uh, you know, with the rise in autoimmune disease, Mm-hmm. it's becoming it's becoming a thing like that that's that's a, that's a space that that we work in now i'm i'm i'm, I'm not a therapist or a doctor mm-hmm. but i'm a really good support coach because i've been mm-hmm. through some of this stuff and oh yeah I'm, and i understand kind of the landscape and i'm i'm a very good support coach uh, which doctors and nurses don't have really time to spend the, the kind of time that i that i that, that i feel like that people need patients need i mean i think you have a lot of credibility, don't you think? After all of this, I think you have a lot of street cred, Elizabeth. (laughs) Well, it's been such a delight. I really appreciate you being here. I want to also let you all know that for more information on Elizabeth Kipp, please refer to my podcast description for all the links that you can find her. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here, Elizabeth. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I so appreciate your platform, and I, I look forward to sharing you with my listeners. Oh, wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting. You can find my podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.